Well, hello, and welcome to Sips and Sensibility, a podcast where we discuss Jane Austen adaptations. This season, we're discussing Sense and Sensibility. I'm Julia. I'm Beth. And I'm Lori. Today, we're discussing the 1995 Sense and Sensibility film starring Emma Thompson and Kate Winslet. I, for one, am so excited to get started discussing. But first, ladies, what you sipping? Well, my drink tonight is not very exciting. <laughs> I'm literally just drinking water. Oh, sad. Is it tap, Britta? It is fridge. Mm. Fridge water. Fridge. <laughs> Good old fridge. Good old fridge water. Um, I feel like to get the brand in there, we need to know what kind of fridge you have. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, but yeah, we have a nice fridge, so it's it's nice fridge water. But I've been having some health issues, so I didn't want to put anything in my body besides water. Except I did just eat like a really huge homemade brownie. <laughs> that, that's unrelated. Balance. But. <laughs> Balance. So yeah, I'm drinking water. What about you, Lori? I am currently drinking a... Angry Orchard Hard Cider Crisp Apple Unfiltered. It's a mouthful. It That's is. also so on brand for you, Lori. Thank you. I would just like to say, um, and our UK slash Europe people will um, relate with me if you drink cider. My favorite cider in the entire world is in London. Like That's where I drink it, and it's only available in Europe. You cannot import it. It's not here at all, and it drives me insane. It is the Old Malt berries and cherries that one it's so freaking good i think i might have tried that when i was in london i took a picture of it on a menu so i'll have to go back and check but if i did that would be crazy a lot of a lot of the pubs i went to at least had it on tap also on a somewhat related note the best hot chocolate in the entire world comes from a cafe in paris and they do not ship overseas which is just so tragic and not to be outdone, um, <laughs> <laughs> we must all talk about. I just her. have to, you know, throw this in there. But the best fish and chips I've ever had was at a little chippery, a little chippy, on the coast of the Isle of Skye in Scotland. That sounds just amazing. <laughs> so, what are you drinking, Julia? Not your hot chocolate from Paris, yes, of course. But unfortunately, no. But I'm drinking something that is pretty good. I was going to say comparable, but it's in no way comparable. <laughs> um, I am actually drinking Prosecco tonight, which is a change Ooh. of pace for me, but I'm a big fan of the bubbly white wines. And Austin mm. and I got a bottle of the Martini and Ross... Rossi? Yes. Martini and Rossi Prosecco to have on Valentine's Day. So I'm trying to finish that up before it all goes flat. Because as we all know, well, as some of us know... <laughs> Flat Prosecco is no bueno. So. Yeah, it's no good. Okay, so this is our last classic period adaptation of Sense and Sensibility, and I would love to hear your initial thoughts. I want to know what Lori has to say first, since she's <laughs> our, since she's the only host who hasn't seen the movie yet. Lori, I'm dying to know. You don't want to gush about it for. No, I got to know what first? you think and then I can go. <laughs> okay. I will um, just say this. I had a really hard time finding a break it. I got so worried for a second there. <laughs> Why? What did you think I was going to say? I had a really hard time getting through this film. I thought that's where I was going. It was going to break my heart. No, 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 no. No, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very well done. There's obviously a couple things where I was like, mm. like once I like milled it over, um, for a hot second and I really had to think and come up with a break it. Also, there was one part, which I'm sure we'll get to later, <laughs> as we always do, um, where I was like, wait, this is missing. This is like a very key part and it's missing. So other than that, it was very, very great. I quite enjoyed it. I have some thoughts. Ooh. I did not have trouble finding any break it's. <laughs> but it was truly it takes deep steps. Times, but I, it was really nice because Ben is totally unfamiliar with Sense and Sensibility. He he knows Emma, he knows Pride and Prejudice. That's pretty much it for him and Jane Austen. So he, I had him watch this one with me, and 
it was just really cool to watch him watching it because he was totally unfamiliar with the story and just all the twists and turns and drama. I loved watching his reactions. So some fun tidbits to to share. I do really like this one. I think it captures the essence of Sense and Sensibility well. There's some very crucial things that were left out and there are some very crucial errors that they made, in my opinion. So... As you all may have guessed, I just absolutely adore this film. And upon re-watching it, you know, I've gone back through and listened to our previous episodes and kind of wondered if I was maybe too hard on the 2008 <laughs> Sense and Sensibility. Have no doubts that I was completely fair to the 1981, but the 2008 <laughs> wondered if I was too hard. But upon re-watching this one, it's just because this sets such a high standard for me. And yes, as Lori hinted, book to movie accuracy, there are some things that are off, but I just adore this film. And one thing that I think we need to put into perspective is this had, even though it's a long movie, it had about an hour less than most of the other adaptations that we've watched. And what they did with the time they had, to me, it was just incredible and moving. And I just have to tell y'all, so this was nominated for a quite a few Oscars, actually. It, um, it won the Oscar for Best Screenplay, Best Adaptation Film. It was nominated for Best Leading Actress for... Emma Thompson, Best Supporting Actress for Kate Winslet. It was nominated for uh, Best Costume, and it was also nominated for Best Soundtrack. And when this movie started and the music began to play, I almost started crying because this soundtrack to me is so emotional, and Patrick Doyle's soundtrack is uh, so powerful and so good. And we haven't had a good soundtrack, I feel like, really, for any of the adaptations thus far. No. And so... Ugh, this music is so moving um and even though it didn't win the oscar it got a nod it got nominated so i thought that was worth noting yeah and this i would say is probably generally the most beloved version of sense and sensibility it has a 97 percent for critics ratings on rotten tomatoes and a 90 percent audience score and has 7.6 out of 10 stars on imdb so that's a pretty stellar critic yeah. score and audience score uh, that's also a really wide range. 97 is an incredible score and 7.6 on IMDb. That's a pretty... That's yeah, I'm of, surprised it's not yeah. higher on there, actually. Yeah. So I mentioned that I adore the music for this film. Do you guys have any thoughts on the general vibe of the film? Did the music stand out to you? Not the music, particularly. It was very, um, you know, period PC, kind of like nicely blended into the background. Like I didn't not notice it where like sometimes that can happen with some period pieces. But what I liked the most were the kind of nature sounds. Mm -hmm. I guess there's um, that scene at the end where Marianne goes and like looks over Willoughby's <laughs> soon-to-be house, I guess. <laughs> um, and like you can hear the wind in her hair as like the camera is turning. I was like, oh, that, that's, some, that's some good sound design right there. Good job. Good job. I also just wanted to point out, I know we've mentioned that quite a few adaptations of Sense and Sensibility, the setting seemed off for the cottage. Mm -hmm. In the first one that we watched from 2008, they were kind of on the beach almost. And then in the 1980 version, they were in just a flat kind of happy looking countryside. But I feel like this adaptation had just the perfect setting. There were those beautiful rolling hills and it was sad and beautiful and happy all at the same time somehow. Um, and so I thought the setting for this film was so beautiful. The costumes were gorgeous in this film. Um, and so I also feel like it blended drama and comedy really well too, because those poignant emotional moments are so well done, but you also get a couple of comedic moments, especially with Mrs. Jennings and John. Yeah, I I liked it. I liked a lot. I like the scenery a lot. So the beautiful mm -hmm. landscape. I think they filmed most of it in England and just the rolling green hills and all of that. I did think that was really beautiful and a good setting for the story. I feel like the um the houses and the like ar architecture, I guess, looked very fitting for like where they went from this big house to 
you know, a, a cottage that doesn't look like they're living in the ground. It looks like mm-hmm. a, a proper cottage, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I appreciated that, that they're not trying to be like, they live in a dumpster heap on the side of the road. And then when they went to London, where Mrs. Jennings lives, um, their, like, that whole abode was very, like, it felt very period to me, like, in a good way. Mm-hmm. You want to hear a funny fact? Absolutely. If you watch this on Amazon, which TBH, I might just start like watching things on Amazon purely for the weird trivia that comes up on the side. <laughs> um, throughout the entire film, all of the costumes are reused in some other period piece. Like there's mm-hmm. costumes that are in Mansfield Park that Billy Piper wears. Um, there's costumes that were in Pride and Prejudice, but there's like various connections to other period pieces. And I think that's really good because they're well-crafted costumes and I didn't see a single zipper. And may I just say, I appreciate that with Britain (laughs) and, you know, the whole UK. Y'all know how to do period pieces correctly. Thank you. I also just really appreciated all the crossover actors who were in Harry Potter (laughs) and also in this film. Yes, I was actually going to mention when we list off the actors in this film, which ones crossed over into Harry Potter, because there are so many you guys. And I didn't realize this. I mean, a lot of them you recognize right away, but even Mrs. Jennings. Yeah. She was the fat lady in the portrait in the first Harry Potter movie. Yeah. And John Middleton is actually Cornelius Fudge, Mm -hmm. the minister of magic, which is super cool. And Mrs. Dashwood is the nurse. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Madam Pomfrey? Yes, Madam Pomfrey. Yes, Pomfrey. Wow. Well, and of course, Alan Rickman and, and Emma Thompson, oh, which we'll talk about in a second. And Amelda Staunton. Charlotte is actually Umbridge, which oh. is so oh, crazy. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so now that we've mentioned these actors who are crossed over into Harry Potter, we just have to begin with the illustrious Emma Thompson, who, if you guys don't know this, she actually wrote this screenplay herself. Yes. Yes. So that Oscar for best screenplay, it went straight to Emma Thompson. That's amazing. Yeah. She's incredible. So not only did she star in this film, she also wrote the script and she met her husband through this film, which is insane. True love always wins. Yes. Emma Thompson ended up actually eight years after this movie. She married Greg Wise, who plays Willoughby. They had a romance, and I believe they're still actually married. So they got married in 2003. Yes, and this film was, uh, it was filmed shortly after her divorce from Kenneth Branagh. And it said that she was Whoa, in- Whoa, she was uh, married to Kenneth Branagh? Oh, girl, yeah. You didn't know that? No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Only one of the most forefront Shakespeare directors. How did I not know <laughs> yeah. that? They were in Much Ado About Nothing together, girl. They were Beatrice and uh, Benedict. But anyway, she was in a really dark place after her divorce, and she said that Greg Wise and this job, her work, helped her through her depression, and I thought that was so sweet. Um, But Emma Thompson, I'm sure you guys know what she's been in, but she's Professor Trelawney in Harry Potter. She is in Love Actually, where she actually plays Alan Rickman's wife. Fun (laughs) fact. She's in Saving Mr. Banks. She's in Nanny McPhee. And she's just been in everything. And we love Emma Thompson. So, Beth, I want to know, how did you feel about Emma Thompson's Eleanor? I feel like I'm going to break some hearts. Oh, no. <laughs> now, uh, ooh, I don't know whether or not to launch into my problem with Eleanor. I think I'll hold on it because it's a problem with the overall movie. But I did like her as as Eleanor. I thought it was a very good portrayal. I thought... Gosh, I mean, she's just, she's definitely by far the most talented actress we've seen portray her so far. Mm -hmm. She captures the emotions so well. She has that bond and that love that she shows for Marianne. That side of it, I love her as Eleanor. It makes complete sense to me. And, And this is my problem that I have with a lot of the characters, with a lot of the actors, is the age discrepancy. Yeah. It's just really hard for me to get over. Emma Thompson looks like she could be Marianne's mom. Yeah. If you don't know the story, you may actually think that. Mm. It's just, gosh, I love her so much. And I love her so much in this part. So it's hard, but 
she was 35, I think, when they filmed, and she's supposed to be playing someone who was 19, and she does not look anywhere close to 19. She just, she looks so much older than that. And so that was really hard for me because I felt like I was watching a grown adult woman go through all of these things. And it really changes it when you know it's actually supposed to be a 19-year-old. I feel like that changes the story a lot. Yes. And I think that too, since Eleanor already has such a mature personality, when you add on an older actress, it makes her seem so maternal. Mm -hmm. And even though she does take care of Marianne and guide her and correct her in a lot of ways, it reads as a motherly relationship in some instances instead of a sisterly relationship. Um, And so even though, yes, I totally think that Emma Thompson was incredible in this part and that she plays Eleanor's character so well, the age just makes her seem like a mom in some Mm -hmm. ways. But I do want to point out a couple of scenes where I thought she just, uh, she just nailed it. (laughs) So in the scene where, Marianne finds out that Edward is actually engaged to Lucy. She, Marianne is, you know, telling her how sorry she is for her. And then finally, Eleanor's just been so calm. She says, she cups her face and says, Eleanor, where is your heart? And Eleanor kind of rips away from her and has this impassioned speech about how much has been hurting her to hold on to the secret. And she says this line about how I could have produced enough emotion of a broken heart even to convince you, Marianne. And it's Mm. just, she's on the brink of tears and it's so, so powerful. And in that moment, you realize that Eleanor has had so much sense that it's just breaking her. And I thought that was so good. And I just, I was crying because I was just feeling Mm. so much for Eleanor in that scene. Yeah, that scene was really beautiful. And the scene that stuck out to me that really just like took my breath away was when she thought Marianne was about to die. Oh, yes. That that was the other one. At her bedside and saying like, I need you. Like, I want you to stay. That was just like, oh, I felt like I was watching actual sisters and it was really beautiful. And that is something I think that she does that just, it can't be compared to. And for that reason, I do think it was the right choice. I think she was great in that role. The age part bothers me, but I don't know that I would change. I don't know that I would want anyone else in it because she's so perfect in it to me. Lori, did you have some thoughts on that scene? Yeah. The Okay. So first off, I agree with everything that was just said. The age difference kind of bugged me. That's a whole movie thing. Um, otherwise, her portrayal, I loved it. The one thing that I think got a little eh to me was – kind of those high emotion scenes but not the scene where she's you know telling Marianne how much she suffered that scene where she's like begging Marianne to live mm-hmm. was great for me and super emotional to the part where her eyes like when she's done and she's just like holding Marianne's hands and kissing them she looks like kind of crazy hmm. and that kind of threw me out of the situation for a minute I was like oh okay like kind of scary crazy not just like okay this lady's lost it because she's emotionally unstable right now um so that was kind of it for me and then when Edward comes back at the very end and she just starts hysterically crying while he's in the room I don't I don't really know if Eleanor would have done that I think she would probably would have like left and then started crying um like we've seen in previous depictions but I don't know, just the level, I, it kind of like threw it off for me, I guess. It was weird. Yeah. It was a lot of emotion. But at the same time, being that way, being the holding it in person, it felt kind of real to me because I have had those moments, I had one frequent, like recently, where I just hold it all in and it just comes out at a really inopportune time. And that's what I felt like was happening was that she had kept yeah. all of this bottled inside her and then he his appearance his words like triggered that release of emotions and that's what we were seeing yeah i actually did really love that scene even though she seems maybe a little crazy i think it's because she's been dealing with all of this and so you know she just has to <laughs> let it go so i actually loved that scene and then i totally understand what you're saying she does look a little crazy in the bedside scene but i adore that scene because 
I feel like if my sister and I were in that position, that's what she would be like. You know, Mm -hmm. she's been awake for hours. She's by herself. And I feel like that was just, I thought it was really authentic personally. Now that we've discussed Eleanor, why don't we talk about her beloved sister, Kate Winslet, who plays Mary Ann Dashwood. So Kate Winslet was actually not in Harry Potter, but (laughs) she did... She did play Rose in Titanic. She mm. was in the movie The Holiday. She was in the Divergent series. She's been in quite a few movies herself. So, ladies, any thoughts on Marianne? I have never seen a depiction of Marianne that is more you, Julia, than this film. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like, I right have, down to I Sonnet have... 116. <laughs> exactly. Um, staring dramatically in the rain and whispering it into the ether. Um, I have (laughs) this line, um, that happens right after Willoughby comes and, um, saves her when she's fallen and stuff. And it's her and Eleanor (laughs) and Eleanor's like, you need a change. You're going to catch a cold or whatever. And she says, what care for a cold? when there is such a man and then Eleanor Gordon <laughs> then Eleanor goes you'll care when your nose is swollen <laughs> and Marianne's like oh yes you're right Eleanor I'm like that is something Julia would do like immediately yes, I literally wrote that down to Lori I was like you are right help me Eleanor like <laughs> I thought that was so funny. And I'm so honestly honored that you saw that too, you know, as an Enneagram for my desires to be deeply known. And so the mm-hmm. fact that you see that too just means a lot to me. But yes, I just, Marianne, man, in this film, I feel like Kate Winslet was so perfect. And fun fact, when Ang Lee called Kate Winslet into audition, he wanted her to play Lucy Steele. What? Yes. And Kate Winslet was like, no, I want to play Marianne. So she went into the audition room and said, my agent told me you wanted me to read for Marianne. And so she read for Marianne because that's what they thought she was prepared for. And she got the part. And so I'm so glad she did. Um, And you're right. So Sonnet 116 for her listeners is my favorite Shakespeare sonnet of all time. And so to see Marianne love that sonnet too. Oh man, I just love it. I feel like that sonnet is so her. Um, one thing that I loved about this Marianne too is that she doesn't take herself too, too seriously. She's a little bit more open to correction than the Marianne's we've seen in the past. Um, one moment specifically that I wrote down was um, she was talking to her mom about Edward and Eleanor. And she said, to die for love, that's, you know, that's the best thing that you could do. And her mom's like, "Ah, I think that's taking your romantic sensibilities a little far. And then they both kind of laugh about it together. And I just thought that was, that kind of shows you that, yeah, she's dramatic and she has these very strong opinions, but she's also a little bit aware of her tendency to be a bit dramatic, if that makes sense. I do just really love this version of Marianne. And I think, like, I really do watch the whole time. And I think of you, Julia. And I think that's part of the reason why is because you two are so similar to me and so many things that she does that, you know, a lot of the times when she's being a little, like, overdramatic and walking around outside in the garden <laughs> and, like, looking off into the distance, it's like, wow, this is very Julia. And even Deb, the, the one Sonnet 116 thing, too, to me is just so, so cool and sweet that y'all have that parallel. Uh, and I will say, I really feel like they cast her really well, even with age in mind. Oh, yeah. I think she was only 19 and she's supposed to be playing like a 17 year old. So that felt a lot more true to life. Didn't love her hair. Ben kept saying mm. it looks like a mop. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mops I think we can all head. just agree that most period hair is just not it. Emma Thompson's was great. I loved Emma Thompson's. Yeah. Marianne's was just a little. It was real curly. Much. Yeah. Wasn't great. You make better hair choices than that, Julia. Thank you. (laughs) I did have a couple specific things that I wanted to point out about Marianne. Um, One was her reading of the letter that Willoughby gives to her after they see each other at the ball. Oh, 
it breaks me every time she is reading it and she doesn't immediately sob. You can tell she's holding back tears, but she's just in complete shock. And you can tell her heart is just in her stomach and she's pale and she's reading it aloud to Eleanor. And then the first thing she does is come to Willoughby's defense. And she's like, well, he never told me he loved me. You know, it's not his fault. And then when Eleanor is like, no, Marianne, he wronged you. She just Mm -hmm. starts sobbing and she says oh he did he did he did love me and she's just weeping and that part to me was just so good I thought that was the best reading we've seen so far mm-hmm. by far and I like the fact that she read it mm-hmm. well Kate's depiction of Marianne is just so real I mean I was watching her watching her like this this is a really simple scene but there's a scene where Colonel Brandon comes to invite them to a picnic. And it's a little bit awkward. Marianne's being kind of like weird off to the side. But she's just distracted because she knows she sees Willoughby coming and she's antsy. And I wasn't at all like, oh, Kate's acting. I was like, no, she's literally living this out. Like she's living out that nervous, like butterflies in her stomach, excited to see Willoughby. She's living out that heartbreak when he doesn't recognize, well, doesn't talk to her mm-hmm. in the ball. She's living out the heartbreak when she reads his letter and the realization. All of that was actual, real life emotions to me and not, oh, this is Kate pretending to be Marianne. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, this is real. She's experiencing it. it. It just, it was so, so good. So many times that ballroom scene Marianne just seems super overdramatic. But when Marianne yells across a ballroom, Willoughby, it seemed it was just an outburst of emotion at her seeing him. That seemed so natural based on the buildup that Marianne had had in her relationship with Willoughby. And I loved that that seemed authentic rather than like, yeah, she's being a little extra, but that is her natural reaction, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One thing that I really loved about her acting was the way that her portrayal of Marianne and Colonel Brandon interacted throughout the entire film. Because in some of them, it's very much Marianne is like, oh, heck no, I'm avoiding this man. Like he has the plague and, you know, all that. She's just trying to evade him. But in this one, it's like you can see that she doesn't find him offensive. She's just like, okay, yes, you're this man that's our friend that – I can kind of tell has some affection for me, but she's not like shunning him to the graveyard or whatever. So I like really appreciated that because I felt like that was way more in character than Mm -hmm. we've seen in previous adaptations. Yes. The last thing that I want to say about Marianne is the scene where she walks through the rain from the Palmer's house to Willoughby's house. Honestly, y'all, I just got... I felt so seen because there was one time in college where I experienced heartbreak. <laughs> I put in a song that I really liked over – I had it on repeat. And I walked around in the rain in my church clothes just in circles in our little college <laughs> town. And I probably looked <laughs> insane. Um, but that scene to me was so relatable because she just had to go. and She had to look at Willoughby and she quotes that sonnet that meant so much to them. And the way she says his name over and over while looking at his house was just heartbreaking. Um, So anyway, I loved that scene. Felt very seen by that scene. (laughs) And then obviously after that, Colonel Brandon comes and saves her. He walks five miles in the rain to walk her back to the Palmer's house. And I feel like naturally we just have to move on to talk about Colonel Brandon, who is played by Alan Rickman, who is Snape in the Harry Potter series and just in a whole host of other fabulous films. So how did y'all feel about Colonel Brandon? I think he's my favorite character out of this entire adaptation. Whoa. Yeah. I really liked his depiction of Colonel Brandon. I feel like he depicted the character very well, like book to movie accuracy. You could just tell... That he had genuine affection for Mary Ann, but he was such a gentleman that he wasn't pushing it onto her. He wasn't, like, being weird and creepy and standing over her shoulder. He was trying to, you know, respect what her decisions were, respect her feelings for somebody else. So much so to the point where, you know, he's not pursuing her to get something he wants. He, like, loves her enough to let her do her own thing and, like, actually want that for her which i think really comes to a point where he knows what willoughby's done 
and you know all this other greatness from his past and he tells Eleanor like I really hope she can be happy and that he deserves her and like you can see the sadness in his eyes mm-hmm. I feel like he played the little moments so well mm-hmm. like that moment where he does say like I just hope that he endeavors to deserve her mm-hmm. and there's just so many times at the beginning of the movie when Willoughby's first introduced and Brandon keeps getting slided and all of his just like really subtle responses to that. And you can see the disappointment in his face, but it's not overdone at all. It's just very real. Mm. And I loved that. Now I will say this is another case of the age problem. I had a huge problem with this. Colonel Brandon's supposed to be roughly 35 Alan Rickman was almost 50 at the time that he played Colonel Brandon. I love him. He's a treasure, super talented actor. Very sad that he died so young, but I think he was too old for the part. It just if you're supposed to have, she will even, I mean, even just the actual ages of the actors, she was 19 yeah. and he was 49. There's a, like, there's a problem there, in my opinion. A 30 year age difference. That's weird. It's already like yeah. kind of odd that it's supposed to be like 17 and 35, but he also just looks older than he is to me. I mean, mm-hmm. it was there's that scene at the end where he, they're sitting there and he's reading to her, which is really sweet. And I just want to love it. And I want to love him in that part and want to love that romance because I like how they handled it. But that scene, and it looks like it's her grandfather or her father reading her a book. And it very yeah. easily could be and that's just a little too weird for me now i thought he and emma thompson played really well off of each other Mm -hmm. but gosh it's just hard like the age difference i love him in that role i love emma in that role but they are just too they're not the right age it's just difficult yeah, I totally see where you're coming from, Beth. And even though I love Alan Rickman's portrayal, the age difference definitely does take you out of it. I did want to point out really quickly, fun fact, Emma Thompson's first choice for Colonel Brandon was Hugh Laurie before they had their I love Hugh Laurie. Isn't that hilarious? Mm-hmm. I do want to say for Colonel Brandon, though, he had a couple of standout moments to me. One was when uh, John Middleton was teasing him about Marianne. He's like cleaning his gun or something. And Colonel Brandon is just like, no, you know, I'm too old. She's not going to like me. And John Middleton keeps forcing it. And he says, all the better for her. And I feel like that just encapsulates how he feels about Marianne. You know, like he loves her, loves her for eternity. But ultimately, he wants what's best for her. And that's why he steps aside when Willoughby comes along. And then later on, there's another line Emma Thompson says to uh, Edward when she's talking to him about the parish that Colonel Brandon's giving him. And Edward's like, man, this sounds like a cool guy. And Emma Thompson's like, he is the kindest and best of men. And I feel like that line perfectly encapsulates the way Alan Rickman plays Mm -hmm. Colonel Brandon. It's just, he's so sweet. I also feel like that really comes across in the scene where Marianne's so sick and he's like taking off his jacket. He looks super disheveled and he's been pacing and he's like, what can I do? I need to do something. I need to get out of here. I feel like (laughs) Mm -hmm. that shows his love for her so, so well. Lori, did you want to say something about Hugh Laurie? Yes. Okay. First off, I love the fact that he was up for Colonel Brandon. I mean, there is also the age difference thing there that would still be happening. However, his depiction of Mr. Palmer cracks me up to no end. Mm. That man can play a grumpy man to like perfection. Like his depiction of house great his depiction of mr palmer who's so fed up with his freaking wife it's immaculate i laughed so hard at his little um like asides that he would just like end um like when charlotte's saying something to him and he's just like no just no i have to throw in this comment that ben made uh they him and like charlotte and mrs jennings are talking about mr palmer and they say he's out of spirits all the time yeah and ben said <laughs> i would be rather out of spirits too if i was married to umbridge <laughs> I just <love> that part. 
<laughs> I do think, though, that when Marianne's sick, he has this interaction with Eleanor when he's leaving yes, the house. Yeah, and I thought, oh, Hugh Laurie was so good in that scene. Part of mm-hmm. me was like, man, I would have loved to see his take on Colonel Brandon, even though mm-hmm. I think Alan Rickman did a great job. Yeah. But let's talk about Marianne's other great love. Will it be? Will it be? Who's he's played by Greg Wise in this film? Emma Thompson's at that point future husband. Yes, <laughs> I really enjoyed him. He is very handsome. Well, he's very handsome, but <laughs> I was going to say he's very charming, and he really pulls you in and makes you love him. And he he has something that I think we talked about how the last version was missing this but he has that relationship that he develops with the whole family mm-hmm. there's a scene where they're having a picnic and he's just being super playful and doing imitations which are kind of mean and harsh but he even eleanor is like laughing and participating in it like the whole family is just kind of enamored with him it's not just marianne and then his relationship with marianne i mean they get such a beautiful almost montage like moment for their romance and it it feels very very real to me i uh, y'all this is why i have sympathetic feelings towards willoughby it's because of greg wise's portrayal and this adaptation gives you that marianne will be a love story that you need to believe marianne's heartbreak later on and so i think that was just great because it's confirmed it's canon that they both truly loved each other and i think you really see that in this adaptation Mm -hmm. um and that's through a couple of moments one the initial scene in the rain a fun fact when marianne was in the rain after she fell and willoughby saves her and carries her back to the house Mm. kate winslet almost got hypothermia from filming that scene in the rain so girl was dedicated I know. Um, But that scene is just so romantic. Side note, I love the fact that Margaret is there the whole time, just kind of (laughs) watching in awe. That was hilarious. I love the fact that we got Margaret back. Can I say that? Yes. And Marianne and Margaret have such an incredible middle child, youngest child vibe (laughs) where like Marianne takes care of her, but she also is like not putting up with her (laughs) crap. Like it's so funny. (laughs) But Willoughby in that scene, he's so romantic. He's such a hero. Then, you know, in the montage, like we talked about, when he snips off a locket of her hair, so romantic. He plays the scene where he is telling the Dashwood family that he has to leave to go to London so well. It's incredible. He does such a great job. The Dashwood family is incredible. Um, He's so heartbroken, clearly. The scene in the ballroom where he's trying to hold it together while Marion's talking to him and figuring out what's going on, so good. Mm -hmm. I just adore Greg Wise. Side note. When he says he comes to visit Marianne and that first scene where they're getting to know each other after she's twisted her ankle, he brings her wildflowers. He talks to her about Shakespeare. And then at the end, he gives her a pocket book of Shakespeare's sonnets. And that like clenches the deal for her. Y'all, I could relate because (laughs) there was someone I had a crush on in college who gave me a pocket book of poetry. You cannot trust anyone who gives you a pocket book of poetry. I'm just saying that right now. Like, it is so romantic. You think it's amazing, but do not trust them. They're a player. It's a red flag. Red flag, ladies and gentlemen. Red flag. Well, it's so funny to me that you say that he's sympathetic to you in this version because I never sympathized with Willoughby until I read the book. Because this is the only version I had seen. And I felt him to be very unsympathetic. And to me, it's missing that crucial scene once I read the book and Mm -hmm. found out Mm -hmm. that he comes to see Marianne when he thinks she's about to die and has that confession. Mm -hmm. It's a huge deal to me that he that this is missing that. And it makes him a lot less sympathetic to me and makes him have less of a redemption to me. And especially him like towering over and watching the wedding at the end. It, It makes me not like him. Because when I found out about, and especially when I watched this for the first time, but when I found out about his actions, it just made everything that he did feel inauthentic to me. Mm-hmm. And even now on a rewatch, though I love his portrayal of Willoughby, and I think that the love connection, <laughs> the love <laughs> connection between him, between Marianne and Willoughby is strong, it still rings inauthentic to me. Because we don't get that, 
we don't get those moments of raw emotion from him where he's you see he's so concerned about her welfare and mm-hmm. he's pouring himself out i i feel like that's missing in a big way honestly i think that's the one big book to movie flaw that i hated was missing from this film because you're mm-hmm. totally right like i think i overlook some of the Well, the reason I still find him sympathetic is because I just believe their love story so much. But I really do miss that scene. I know. I know. (laughs) I miss that scene, especially now that we've seen it played out in these other adaptations, because you still get the information a little bit that, yes, he loved Marianne, but it's from Brandon in this adaptation. Brandon has a quick, hey, I found out that his... Uh, his aunt found out about this and she was going to disown him. Mm-hmm. And so he's marrying that other lady just for the money. And Eleanor's like, oh, so he was going to marry her. So it's just a super quick thing that doesn't really have time to settle in within you, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do think that I read that scene on the Hill differently than you, Beth, because when I watch that, I feel like it's Willoughby looking down at Marianne and thinking, man, I'm never going to be happy again, which, you know, in the book, it's kind of like he's okay, but he misses Marianne. But um, that's how I watch that scene is Willoughby is thinking, man, I can't believe I missed out on that. But that's just how I watch it. I believed the love story. I did like it. But the whole um, like him not going to marry Anne when she's sick, part of, of the book that's not in the movie kind of ruins his whole, like, quote-unquote redemption arc, which isn't really a redemption arc, but you know what I mean. You know, it kind of reveals his true motivations behind things and makes him a little more tolerable for me. You don't get that. So it does kind of make him out to be, like, almost a villain in the end, even though, like, you get this scene of him, like, looking longingly at this wedding that you know he wishes was his it it just like doesn't ring true without that scene Mm. for me yeah and he kind of talks about in i think in the book about how he had a selfish love for marianne and it makes it that makes it feel even more selfish to me when you don't hear that admittance Mm. Mm -hmm. well speaking of unselfish love yes gosh (laughs) Hugh Grant as Edward, my man. Hugh Grant is like the rom-com king, y'all. He's in yeah. Love Actually. He really he's in is. Jones's Diary. He's in Two Weeks Notice. He's in Notting Hill. He's in everything. So what did y'all think of Edward? Because I have thoughts. We saw more of him in the first 20 minutes of this film than we <laughs> did, I'm pretty sure, in the entire last adaptation. Yeah. Now, another thing that I just hated that they cut was the Edward visit. Yes, I yeah, hate I felt, that. I felt like, okay, he's here in the beginning, and then we never see him again until, like, the very <laughs> end of the movie. I was like, gosh, I need more Hugh Grant in my life. And I just kept thinking, I, re- I think I really do love Dan Stevens as Edward. I liked that, and I liked how much we got to see him. So that that part was hard for me, but I, I did like Hugh Grant in it. He feels like he plays the same character in a bunch of movies, though. Mm-hmm. Just that awkward British guy who is very handsome. <laughs> I don't know. I, I and I watched an interview with him one time where he was like, yeah, I feel like I just played the same character in like five films in a row in the 90s. And he really did. Um, so uh, he just wasn't the most believable adverb to me because of that. Because I was like, oh, it's just Hugh Grant. It's not. Edward. And it, he is Hugh Grant. He doesn't have the best chemistry ever with Emma no. I do think, you know, I loved Dan Stevens so much, but I think Hugh Grant embodies the awkward yet charming and sweetness that Edward's supposed to have super well. Um, and yet he doesn't have the best chemistry chemistry with Emma Watson, but I definitely do think it's there. I also just, this is like not really related to the book, but I loved his relationship with Margaret. I thought it was so sweet. Yes. Yeah, and I think that's a big part of Eleanor's attraction to Edward is the way he cares for her little sister, which is just such an older sister thing um, to care about a guy and that attraction grow based on the way they treat your little siblings. I know for my older sister, like our youngest sibling, if a guy was really nice to him, that was like big points. Um, but <laughs> the way that one thing that I thought was so funny 
uh, Hugh Grant and Eleanor are actually on horses talking about how hard it is for Eleanor and her sisters because they can't work for their fortune, which very feminist mm. of them to be talking about. <laughs> um, and Hugh Grant just goes, well, I guess Margaret's right. Piracy is our only option. And I was like, oh, my <laughs> God. I love Margaret so much. And he also says at one point he's talking about Margaret's and they're like imaginary. She's taking him on a trip to China and he's going to be her servant. And then he says, I'm going, uh, I have to go knowing that I'm going to be treated very badly. <laughs> just, it's just really funny. So I loved that part of Edward's character. I really liked his depiction. I thought it was very well done. I don't know if it was my favorite depiction of Edward. I mean, come on, you got Dan Stevens. But I, there was just like parts where, and I know it's in his character and I know it's in the book, but where I almost felt like the awkwardness was a tad overplayed, um, if that makes sense, where it like almost felt like too painfully socially awkward, mm. where I feel like he, like book Edward is able to kind of get past that to a certain point. Um, I feel like if you're trying to please your mother, <laughs> kind of, uh, for your whole life, you might develop some acting abilities. But overall, I thought it was a really good depiction. Um, I didn't completely believe his romance with Eleanor, mm. but I did believe it more because they interacted more. And you saw them at the very beginning, you know, going on solo walks and, you know, saw their relationship build more than in a couple other That's adaptations. True. They had a good setup at the beginning, for sure. There's also a pretty cute deleted scene of Edward and Eleanor walking on a bridge together towards the end of the movie. And I would love for us to watch that and share I had that. no idea. Yeah, I didn't know that existed either. And I saw it on a Jane Austen Facebook group literally two or three days ago. But I didn't watch it because I didn't want to, you know, oh, spoil the movie. So I just loved watching this through Ben's eyes, like I said mm -hmm. earlier. And as that relates to Edward, he obviously had no idea that Edward was secretly engaged to Lucy. And when he, when that scene came up and he figured it out, his jaw just dropped. <laughs> he was asking me a question about something related to it. And mid-sentence when that reveal happened, his jaw dropped and he just screamed, what, at the TV? And he was freaking <laughs> out. He was so furious. And he, was, and he drew a parallel that I had not even thought of. Which was, why does the same thing happen in Emma? Yes. There's I was, also a secret oh, yeah. engagement there. Yes, he's Frank, except way better than Frank. Yeah. Except <laughs> Frank and Jane were actually in love, I think. Yeah, and Edward actually acts mostly honorably. So yeah. <laughs> not the same at all, but also. <laughs> One last little uh, character tidbit. May I just say, it's very funny that you bring up that Charlotte was Umbridge. Because I felt like Fanny was very umbrage mm -hmm. like the entire time i was like why is she creeping me out so much like why does mm -hmm. she feel like vile and <laughs> disgusting to me just like in her manner of being and then i was like oh she reminds me of the pink lady i hate this woman umbrage get out i don't like you <laughs> yeah fanny was just the worst there are a couple things as much as i love this movie there is some book to movie accuracy. And I will say, obviously, when you're doing a film, you have a shorter time frame. And so there are some things that you have to skip over. And I feel like, for the most part, the things that were skipped were fine. But we, I, th I feel like we need to draw attention to it. First of all, this had nothing to do with the time limit. The age discrepancies. No bueno. They took no. away a little bit from the film. Number two. Lady Middleton is not there. John Middleton, yes. and this is a widower. Yeah. There's no Lady Where? Middleton. They don't have kids. Uh, didn't really affect the storyline to me very much, but it was interesting that they chose to get rid of her. Also, no Lucy Steele's sister. Yes, yeah. Lucy Steele's sister isn't there. So the reveal of Lucy and Edward's engagement comes from Lucy herself. Honestly, Lucy's sister is super annoying. So I yeah. didn't mind her being Yeah, gone. I didn't mind it. It's almost unforgivable to me that they left out the scene where Willoughby comes back when Marianne is sick. Yes. And that they left out Edward's visit. That's hard. Yes. Um, also, Miss Jennings, Mrs. Jennings invites the Dashwoods and Lucy to stay with her right. in London, yeah. which I felt like was a pretty significant difference. 
And also Colonel Brandon's backstory is different. Mm. He mm. kind of left out part of his story, which bothered me. I kept pausing it and filling Ben in like in the book. It was like this. <laughs> and like the weird thing at the very end is they had a joint wedding. No, they were just bridesmaids. She was just a bridesmaid in Marianne's Oh, wedding. okay. I okay. thought it was going to be joint too. But it is interesting because all of the films so far, I believe, have ended with Colonel Brandon and Marianne very solidly together, right? Maybe one of them didn't. I think. But it's just interesting because in the book, it's not like in the book, there's not a ton of resolution for Colonel Brandon and Marianne. I think, well, you know, it kind of has that epilogue almost where it's like, and then Colonel Brandon and Marianne eventually fell in love and got married and they all lived happily ever after. And so I think they just want to make sure, you know, like, Mm -hmm. obviously Edward and Eleanor are going to get together. And also, I need you to know that Colonel Brandon and Marianne work out with this quick wedding scene. But just to wrap it all up, even though this. Uh, film does have to leave out a few moments even a few characters I feel like more than some of the other films this film gets the characters and their depth and their relationships together just so right and so for me even though there's a couple of moments that I would really like to see like we've talked about that Willoughby confession I think that they still did a great job with book book to movie accuracy because they got those characters and their relationships correct I think you might have just stolen my made it, Julia. So I'm a little irked that I can't say that. Oh, well. Sorry. Um, You can still say it. (laughs) Okay. But, Julia, what is your make it or break it? Well, (laughs) I don't know if this is going to be much of a surprise to you guys, but my make it is kind of two of the same thing. First of all, it's just Marianne. Kate Mm. Winslet's representation of Marianne just makes me emotional. Every time in this film where Marianne cried, I was also crying, which is kind of crazy. But um, I just loved the way that she played Marianne. And then the second part of that is Marianne and Willoughby's relationship and Marianne and Eleanor's relationship and Marianne and Colonel Brandon's relationship. So those relationships (laughs) were just such a make it for me. I felt like they were played so well. There were so many cute scenes between the sisters. The love story between Willoughby and Marianne was so believable. And then you really do, I feel like, get to see the way that she slowly falls for Colonel Brandon, even though it's very brief. So I also have a twofold break it, which I feel like is going to be pretty obvious based on the rest of the episode. Uh, But my break it's were the age differences based on the book. And Mm. the fact that we're missing that Willoughby confession. I feel like Greg Wise could have done that so Mm -hmm. well, too. So it's just, it hurts me that we didn't get that. And that's my break it. And I'm going to say I had a hard time, a hard time digging for that. But that's really the only (laughs) thing I could think of. Well, I think it would have been the most absolutely perfect Willoughby if we had had that that confession scene. Uh, Well, uh, my break it is... It's just the ages. That's the that's the thing I get stuck on that I can't look past with with this film. I think if you had had Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson in those roles, but they were each ten years younger, fifteen mm-hmm. years younger, would have made a huge difference to me. If the timeline were different and Emma Thompson <laughs> and Alan Rickman had been born ten years earlier, <laughs> yes, been born ten years later, yeah. So my make it was just watching it with Ben. It was so sweet. I loved, I just loved it so much. It really just made it so nice because this is something I'm just so familiar with. that I've seen this countless times and especially right now, I mean, I'm analyzing every second of it. I'm still enjoying it, but you know, I'm very familiar with it. And so it was just so great to watch it through his eyes. And the main thing that I took away was how funny it was. This gives us a really mm-hmm. funny Mrs. Jennings mm-hmm. and Sir John. And the one line that we keep quoting back and forth to each other that we just can't let go of is Mrs. Jennings and Sir John have just been told about Mr. F. <laughs> and they ask <laughs> Eleanor to play the piano. <laughs> and I don't remember which one of them says this, but they say, and I know what key you'll play it in. F major. I love <laughs> that line so much. I say that all the time too. It's so funny. So that was my make it moment. All the laughs. It was great. What about you, Lori? 
Well, first off, can I just say I can see Ben like visually in my mind screaming what at the TV. <laughs> like I have a very like vivid image in my head of him doing that. Um, mm-hmm. My make it is all of the character depictions in this. I think they were done beautifully. My and I think we've already discussed how great we think some of these character depictions are. So I won't ramble on too long about that. My break it definitely is the fact that we are missing that very key will be seen at the end. That's a major book to movie inaccuracy for me. That's almost kind of inexcusable mm. because like there's some other stuff you could have cut and like put that in, but you know, whatever. Um, I'm not the director of this film. <laughs> um, and like a, a mini, mini break. It is just the sheer awkwardness at the very end when Edward comes back to talk to the, everyone when they're back at the cottage, it's just so painfully awkward where I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I, I can't do it. So another fun Ben tidbit is that he was obsessed with the way that Margaret introduced herself and said her name. I'm going to put, you guys keep listening because at the end of this episode, after our outro music, I'm going to have a little clip. I've been imitating Margaret. Love and it. Yes. It's worth it. It's worth listening to, I promise. It's hilarious. Also, I forgot to mention one of my favorite Marianne lines, which is when she says she's talking to Eleanor about her relationship with Willoughby. And she says, I don't compare my conduct with his. I compare it with what it ought to have been. I compare it with yours. And I love it so much. Is I that a, that's not a book line, is it? I think it is. I think it is. I think it is. But just the way that she delivers it is really beautiful. So speaking of beauty, Lori, who would you date? I think a couple people guessed this correct in the Instagram uh, post that we did, which, I mean, in everyone's defense, there's like three guys. Um, Although somebody did comment, and I applaud them for this, saying that I would choose someone from the background. (laughs) I saw you and I love you. I choose Colonel Brandon. I don't think it's any surprise that I chose Alan Rickman in this. Like his depiction for me is just, this is going to sound dramatic, but I am dramatic sometimes. Sorry. Um, He is like the perfect depiction of what a true gentleman is. Mm. And it's so refreshing. The (laughs) kindest and best of men right there. Yes. yes. It's like, yes. oh, wow. You're putting somebody's thoughts and feelings before yourself. I would love a guy our age, excusing the two married women in the room. Your boys are beautiful. Um, but you know, <laughs> <Her> boys like, <laughs> are beautiful. <laughs> uh, like other people our age, the guys, 90% of them, I could smack with a frying pan and be completely okay emotionally. <laughs> But, like, if I got a Colonel Brandon in front of my face, like, especially this Alan Rickman version, I would be quite content. Well, I drank some water tonight. (laughs) It was great. I did not finish it. (laughs) Feeling slightly more hydrated than I felt before. Y'all had much more exciting drinks. How were they? Well, my Prosecco was pretty good. It was actually kind of flat, but I'm going to compare it with what it ought to have been, what it was on Valentine's, which was, it's it's a good Prosecco. You know, if you're looking for a moderately priced but tasty, very bubbly, very bubbly wine, this is a great option. And so, yeah, I finished it. It, it felt real nice. And uh, so, yes, I give it a thumbs up. What about you, Lori? I'm kind of meh, honestly. There's actually a little bit still left in my cup. Wow. Um, I got that drink in like a four pack with a bunch of other um, cider, one that I really liked, another one that I thought was pretty okay, and then there's two that I hadn't tried before. Honestly, this is going to sound a little harsh. This tastes like the apple juice you got as a kid where your mom Mm. or someone would put ice cubes in it, Mm. and then the ice cubes would melt. And it was like lukewarm, well, this was, you know, cold, but like really, really watered down apple juice. Like it wasn't, it wasn't that great. Would not recommend. 
Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us for this classic adaptation, the 1995 Sense and Sensibility. Loved talking about it. Loved bemoaning age differences <laughs> uh, this week. And I just wanted to tell you guys, follow us on YouTube. We're on YouTube at Sips and Sensibility. And all of our first season has been uploaded there. So if you would prefer to listen to us on YouTube, head on over there and subscribe to our channel. You can also find that link to our YouTube channel and our Instagram bio. And we're on Instagram at Sips and Sensibility Pod. There's a lot going on over there on our Instagram page. So give us a follow. And we love hearing y'all's thoughts on episodes. We got after the last episode, a really great message from a listener. And just keep those coming. It's so great to hear what your thoughts are. We really appreciate that. So that brings us to the portion of the evening where I give a Instagram shout out. So I've started doing a new thing where we have y'all guess who Lori's going to pick from each adaptation. So the winner of tonight's shout out is the person who accurately guessed that Lori would choose Colonel Brandon. She properly cites that he is better than Disney princes. And her name is Katrina Mayer, and she's on Instagram at C-R-M-A-Y-E-R. Thanks so much for listening. And another exciting little tidbit of news. We are celebrating our 3,000 downloads with a watch party for Sense and Sensibility 1995. We're going to be doing that on Facebook so that we can comment and y'all can watch along with us for free. It'll be Saturday, February 27th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So go like us on Facebook. You can find that link in our Instagram bio or you can just search us and find us. We're Sips and Sensibility Podcast on Facebook. Please join us. It's going to be such a fun time. I know I'm super hyped about that because I love reading uh, the comments and to actually be able to respond like in time is going to be so fun. Next podcast episode, we're switching it up from our period pieces to a modern adaptation. <laughs> and we're going to be watching From Prada to Nada, which you can rent on Amazon for $3.99. And that gives you a 48-hour time window to watch it as much as you want. But until we meet again, keep on sipping, y'all. Dishwood. 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 Dishwood.